Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Neighborhood Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kevin Valentin. I'm the other co-host of the Neighborhood Podcast. I go by the name of Kyle Davro. Kevin, what's going on, man? I'm chilling, man. Chilling, chilling. You know, we got a, a lovely weekend filled pack sports news. We got a lot of NBA topics to talk about. I mean, you name it, it's happened. It, it just the Western Conference is changing rapidly. We got the Eastern Conference kind of moving. Pieces are starting to set, uh, solidify. Um, but on today's topic of agendas, today me and Kyle are going to talk about the Lakers' current, I don't know how to word this properly, but I'm going to say it anyway, shitty subpar play as of late. Their demise, their collapse from the two seed all the way down to as currently the seven seed. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA standings in the Western Conference, how things are kind of, like I said, rapidly kind of changing. Um, certain teams have clinched playoff spots already, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, then we're going to slide into a kind of a make your case to the NBA uh, playing tournament. Kyle and I are going to not really make your case, but it's like a little bit of a do we agree with it? Do we not? Do we think it's necessary? Do we think it's entertaining? And then we're going to really just talk about bottom line, man, the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul. Should Chris Paul be an MVP candidate? So um, to start it off, Kyle, this is your squad. This is your team. I, I need to hear from your firsthand knowledge. What in the hell is going on in Los Angeles? I'm scared. I'm really scared. <laughs> this, this is not good. Um, I don't think it's to the point like where, you know, the, the ship is sinking with the Titanic. But it's like the iceberg is on the way, and it's like you better do something to course correct this because we're headed straight for it. Look, even with LeBron and Anthony Davis back on the court, it's just it, they haven't been producing. <laughs> Dude, are you okay? Are you? Okay? I didn't expect you to be like. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that at all. I mean. I gotta, Ooh. I gotta tell the truth when I, when I see it. So, oh, guys, that's how you notice they scripted. I'm crying. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, the, the Lakers are in a world of trouble right now, simply just because they've been playing really inconsistent basketball. When you look at the last ten games that they've played in, they're three and seven. They're on a three-game skid, and that was with LeBron coming back into the lineup this past weekend after he took six weeks off to recover from his high ankle sprain in the middle of March. And even before that, they had Anthony Davis integrated back into the lineup and they were still losing games. They were only one or th they were like one in three, one in four in the five games that AD played in before LeBron came back this past weekend. And the one thing that really troubles me about this Lakers squad right now is their defense has been atrocious. They played the Toronto Raptors a couple of days ago. And they gave up over 120 points to a mediocre Raptors team. And in the process of that, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam managed to score almost 75 points between the both of them against the Lakers. And this is against a team that has defensive stalwarts in Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond. And yet you still get, I wouldn't say torched by to Toronto. They didn't blow them off the court. But they won the game by seven. I think the score was like 121 to 114. Toronto is not that good of a team. And that's a team that the Lakers should beat fairly convincingly just to kind of show that they're a team that to be reckoned with. 
in the Western Conference and not lose to scrub teams. Not only that, they played against the Washington Wizards last week. The Wizards gave them another L. And in the same process, the Lakers couldn't defend. They were giving up way too many points. And when you look at this team, this team is so top-heavy with LeBron and AD carrying most of the weight. And now that both of them are back, well, now LeBron's not even really here because he he's out for tonight's game. It's he left the last a, game early, right? He left the, yeah, the Raptors he, game early with the ankle aggravation. Yeah, he had he had some right ankle soreness last in last night's game. That was a Sunday night. So it's going to go back to AD being the predominant player to focus on for the Lakers until LeBron comes back from this ankle issue. And I don't think that the Lakers are really going to be in a position where they're going to be that good. They're in the, they're in the seventh spot right now. It's like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, they went from the two seed to the seventh seed in what? Two and a half months, somewhere around there. And if they're not careful, they may fall into a situation where they fall all the way down to the eighth seed. Granted, the Grizzlies are 32 and 31, and they're currently three and a half games back at the Lakers at the seventh spot. If the Lakers don't fix this now, the Grizzlies could overtake them. I'm, I don't bank on it. I'm just saying that the, the possibility is there. I really thought that once the Lakers got LeBron and AD back, that they would probably end up somewhere around the four seed simply just because I knew that they, they were going to take some steps back with AD and LeBron being out of the lineup for so long in that two-and-a-half-month gap from February until April. But with both of them back, they're actually playing worse. They actually played better basketball with both of them off the court. Now, I don't think that's like a long-term solution that the Lakers should be looking for. But still, you expect these guys to be playing at a much higher level than what you're getting on the court right now. And it's just not happening. It's just, listen, I want to get your take on this simply just because I could go on and on about this, but the Lakers are in some trouble right now and it's legitimate trouble. I mean, it's, I really can't say more than what you said because it's, 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 it's a lot of reiteration. Their two stars have been out for quite some time. Anthony Davis is more than likely dealing with an Achilles injury in terms of significance. They're always saying it's calf uh, tendonitis. It, it just, you have to take that so carefully and slow. So his minute restriction, him still kind of getting back into the groove of things is going to take some time. I'm looking at his numbers just from the Toronto game, 33 minutes, nine boards, seven assists, 12 points. He wasn't really able to get it going. Toronto really found ways to kind of snub him and keep him in check. LeBron James obviously re-aggravated whatever injury he had on his ankle once again. Um, As you had stated, he is out for tonight's game. So when you really break it down by roster, you have Markeith Morris, Ben McLemore, Montrez Harold, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, Caldwell Pope, Drummond, Braun, and Davis. That's usually the active players that continuously get minutes in a competitive game, minus any blowout games where you put in the kind of like the, the tail end last couple of people at the end of the bench. But if you look at this roster and take out the top two names of Braun and AD, your best offensive threat is Kyle Kuzma or Dennis Schroeder 
And Dennis Schroeder is out with protocol, out to protocol. Now, I, I, again, I'm not up to snuff on whether or not that's COVID protocol or him being out for precautionary purposes. Nevertheless, you have two players right here that have never been a true number one on any team they've been on. Obviously, Kuzma's obviously been the, on the Lakers his whole career. And Dennis Schroeder has bounced around the league for a little bit, but he's never been a number one option. He's usually been a career backup. So you're sitting here looking at, so I got a backup point guard, a second round draft pick who is hot and cold to say the least, very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. You have Montrez Harrell, who is a beast on the inside, but he's been dealing with his own injury. So I know they've been limiting his playing time as well. Ben McLemore had his super hot start when he came to LA. And obviously he has since cooled off. He played about 10 minutes, had 0.0 boards and zero assists that night. And then Markeith Morris is playing like ass. He's not really producing that much. You know what I'm saying? He took a massive pay cut to come back to the Lakers. He's not having a good season. Um, Kalen Horton Tucker has come out of his shell, and he has proved to be a very viable piece off the bench with 14 and 7 in 22 minutes. Very nice. I do like the player that he's developed into. But, I mean, like, everybody's so high on Alex Caruso. He had 4, 5, and 7 in 26 minutes. I mean, yeah, he's getting rebounds. He's passing the ball a little bit. He's scoring in small waves. But these players have to contribute more on the offensive side of the basketball. And like you said, defensively, they're just playing like shit. I mean, Kyle Lowry had 36 at the age of 35. You're telling me that Pascal Siakam, the former most improved player of the league, a former all-star who's had an absolute atrocious season, comes back and drops 39 and 13 against the defending champs. Mm -hmm. Bro, you're kidding me? AD still played 33 minutes and Braun still play, played 28 minutes. Somebody has to check him. Somebody has to get in there. And if your best two players are unavailable or on restriction or are not playing up to par and you rely on the rest of this roster, no disrespect, but they're not going to win games. It's exactly why they have fallen in a very competitive and stacked Western Conference. There are literally teams going in waves of win streaks and then massive losing streaks. It's like the West is like a massive, like inconsistent ocean this season. We've had literally like the Lakers be the two. Now they're the seven. The Utah Jazz have teetered up and down with Phoenix for the majority of the season. The Clippers have gone from two to five. The Mavericks have gone from 10 to five. The Blazers have gone from eight to four. The Nuggets have gone from seven to three. Like it is the definition of unorthodox seasons. Normally the West, like Kyle and I were talking about prior to the episode being very top heavy, but with the Lakers having this struggle and the play-in tournament that's coming, if the Lakers continue to hit this skid and Braun misses more time, the Lakers could fuck around and literally hit the A seed and be bounced in that play-in tournament if they have a bad enough game. Andre Drummond, we know, is going to get you boards. Andre Drummond, we know, is going to get you 10 to 15 points on a consistent basis. But if you're sitting here and relying on the company of Andre Drummond to make layups, alley-oops, and, 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 some, and some dunks, Kyle Kuzma to get catch fire and hit some 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 jump shots. Taylor Horton Tucker to run the pick and roll and get some easy looks at the basket. And Ben McLemore to shoot the lights out. You're asking for a lot of a lot of role players to play consistently well for the remainder of the season. And even Casey, granted, go ahead. Gr granted, this roster is not bad. If this roster was on, if, if some of these players were on other teams. They would be happy. I would be happy to have Ben McLemore come off my bench. I would be happy to have Montreux Harrell come off my bench for the Mavs to have some gritty, you know, some physicality. I would be happy to have Alex Caruso come off the bench and play a little bit more of a defensive presence so he doesn't have to focus on all of these other things that you guys have him focusing on. But I don't. 
you guys do. And for whatever reason, Frank Vogel can't get you guys on the same page. And you guys are just playing bad basketball. And it, like Kyle said, even as a basketball fan, to see the Lakers start as hot as they did, lose their two stars relatively early in the second half of the season, to fall as far as they have now is bad. And I mean bad. If you're a Laker fan, you definitely need to worry because this is not okay. And if Braun misses any more time, you might fuck around and hit that eight seed and be bounced out real quick in that tournament. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think it's still a little premature to say this, but I think it's something that we kind of have to monitor going into the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs. We may be seeing LeBron slowly start going downhill from here as far as like as the best player in the league because he's 36 years old but granted he's still having a pretty good year statistically he's basically averaging similar numbers to what he had last year however the part that I'm worried about is the injuries the injuries are starting to pile up he had the groin in 2018 2019 the first year he was with the Lakers. Now he has this high ankle sprain and he's already stated publicly that he doesn't believe that he's going to get back to a hundred percent in his career after this injury. We'll, we'll have to monitor that as we get into the last couple of years of his career. But I think, I think it's safe to say that obviously we've seen peak LeBron and you're starting to see a slight regression as far as, you know, where he was a couple of years ago. Even, I'm not even talking about the Miami Heat days. I'm talking about when he was with Cleveland and maybe at the start of his tenure with the Lakers. It's just at a certain point, you're going to see a slight degradation in what he's able to do just because it takes more time for a 36-year-old body to recover from a game than a 26-year-old does. Granted, LeBron has been the best player in the league probably for a decade plus at this point. It's just, it's getting to the point now where he's getting into his mid to late 30s. And I think you're starting to see some, a step down from where he was a couple of years ago. I think he's still an amazing player. He's still capable, I think, of getting this team to a championship. I don't know if it's going to be this year because this year is looking like, I'm going to be honest with you, I think it's starting to look like a lost season. But it's just at a certain point, you have to start taking into, you have to start taking into consideration that LeBron may be on a downward trajectory in his career. I'm not saying that he's going to just go down a cliff and that's it. He's going to crash and burn. I'm not going to say that. It's just, I think as we start to get in, as we start to get into his mid thirties here, uh, mid to late thirties, you're going to see a slight regression in his play simply just because he just doesn't have the athleticism that he used to have five, six, seven years ago. It's just, you can't just, you're not going to be able to replicate what you had in your early thirties or your late twenties when you were basically in the prime of your, not just career, but the prime of your life. Just those minutes are going to add up, and they already have. And I think the Lakers are going to have to watch that and monitor that very carefully. You know, not only going into the end of the regular season this year 
in the playoffs, but next year and the year after as well. So, you know, he's on his last year of his deal next year. So that's something that I think the Lakers are going to have to look at carefully when they navigate how they're going to get into maybe the last contract that LeBron may get in the NBA. So like I said, maybe a little bit premature to say that, but I think it's something that we have to at least keep on the back burner. I'll leave it at that. I mean, I'm not going to go as far to say that we're going to see a decline um, only because I feel that you can't base someone's career trajectory off of an injury. Granted, this isn't like D Rose, like where he had injury after injury after injury and like he just could not get back. We're talking about a groin in 2018. I mean, he missed pretty much, what was it, like almost half the season. He was shut down for the remainder of the season when the Lakers like just stopped doing well. Well, they, right? they, they brought him back. He missed, I think, 20 to 25 games. I don't know the specific number of games that he missed, but they tried to make a push for the playoffs with him in the lineup and it just, it wasn't happening. And then I think they pretty much shut him down for the rest of the season after that. But with this injury, granted when he got that groin injury, he was 34. Yeah. He's 36. Granted, so it, it may not seem like a lot, but listen, no, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm, not disc- I'm, I'm not discrediting the age point that you made or the fact that we might see a slight decrease. I just don't want to say that he's going to start hitting that cliff. Use that word carefully. Max Kellerman might come out of nowhere I, and, you know, I, make I, another point. I never, I never said a cliff. I said, you're going to see a slight decline. I just, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go out and say that because I disagree. I, I just feel like, you, you, can't, you can't combat injuries. We all know that LeBron James spends upwards of a million dollars a year on just body and health treatment alone, just to keep himself healthy, in shape, and in peak physical condition, right? Mm-hmm. And we all know that as you get older, the body, like Kyle said, it just tends to take longer to heal. I mean, shit, 26, I stub my toe outside. I'm not going to be able to come back from it like I did when I was 18. But then again, I made a glass. I'm the worst example to use. But it's the point, if if Braun genuinely had that ankle injury and he's trying to come back from it and I, I, the Lakers were doing really bad and they were, you know, not doing well. And I think that Braun kind of maybe came back a little early to try to help, you know, say, All right, let's, let's try to right this ship before we get into this postseason. And he probably ended up tweaking that ankle again. And the, who's to say that has anything to do with his age? He just came back too soon. Yeah. I mean, the man had 19 six and seven in 28 minutes in a seven point loss. So, I mean, he came back in his first game and, or, or second game. Was it his first game last night? This is his first game. Yeah. So his first game back and he's already doing what he's got to do, but again, rust, you got to shake off the pain or whatever it is that you're dealing with. I don't think it's safe to say Braun's going to hit that decline or that, that, that little dip in his career based off of an ankle injury that we know can probably be fixed this offseason between rehabilitation, maybe an offseason procedure. Doctors and physical trainers work magic on these million-dollar athletes. If me and you were to have an injury like this, we'd be out of commission for a year plus. In terms of coming back to full strength, like these guys have the money for that treatment. These guys have the money to go and get that diet and that top physical therapist and those workouts and those fucking – 
ice machines that just heal them, like those leg packets that I'm dying to get, like those cryo leg things, but they're like $2,000. I don't got money for that. Um, but to, to, to get back on track, the Lakers are in deep dookie. LeBron James needs to come back in order to get them back to relevance. And I think that this, unfortunately, I have to say it, I think this bodes to what a lot of um, LeBron fans say of the impact of this man as the significance of what is going on right now. Two seed, now a seven seed with him out of the lineup. I mean, you can't really make that up. That's it. The proof is in the standings. It's in the games. It's in the statistics. They just play better when he's on the court, obviously. Yep. But I'm not going to go far and say that we're going to start to see a decline. If, if LeBron James never tweaks this ankle, the Lakers are still at the top, even without Anthony Davis. Well, that's why I didn't mention it. It could be a little premature to say that. I didn't mention Yeah. That. So it's like I said, we kind of have to watch how the regular season goes for like the next, what do we have? The next two. The two Suns have weeks. nine games left. The Suns played 63 games already. But we have about, so, two, and a, we have about two and a half weeks left before the, the regular season ends. Obviously, yeah. the Lakers are still going to make the playoffs. It's not a situation where they're going to miss the playoffs entirely. That's it's not even a question there. However, it's something that we're going to have to pay attention to. And look, he's going to be 37 going into next year. No, it's, it's just, during next year. It's just you have to kind of wonder. It's like, can he keep going at this pace until the end of his career? And I think at some point, granted, like I said, it may be premature right now to say that, but you're going to see a gradual decline. It's not going to be like, a, you know, you're going to go straight down a cliff as like Max Kellerman no. likes to point out. I don't think it's going to be, uh, like that. but eventually you're going to just keep chugging along. And then it's going to be just, it's almost kind of like when a plane descends after reaching its uh, cruising altitude. It's just like it's it's not like a like you're going down like this. It's just gradual. It's like it's going to come with time. When when you're 37 years old, it's just the recovery time is a lot longer. And granted, I know LeBron has probably the best people around him to improve his rehabilitation time or his recovery time as much as possible. But at a certain point, age just becomes a factor, and Nobody beats time. And unless you're freaking Tom Brady, like that's, you know, there's very few examples of players across all major sports where just they continue to play at a star caliber level, you know, until they retire. And in Brady's case, he's damn near in his mid forties. Bronze hitting his late thirties and is probably been the most consistent player we've ever seen like michael jordan michael jordan already retired by this point in his career i think i think michael only played 15 years in the league kobe at this point in his career was a shell of himself dirk Nowitzki still was viable but was nowhere near what he was when he was in his prime and then when they won the title against miami in 2010 so at a certain point you're going to you're going to see it from LeBron. And could this be that moment? Like I said, could be a little premature. But we're going to have to monitor it. We're going to have to see how it goes. You never Yeah, know. we don't really have many options, but I mean like 
since we're talking about the Lakers and their dis, 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 abysmal play over the last couple of months, that brings us to our topic of the Western Conference kind of swapping order for the last couple of weeks. Um, just to give you guys a quick rundown, uh, the new order as of today is Phoenix at one, Utah at two, Denver at three, Clippers at four, Dallas at five, Portland at six, Lakers at seven, Memphis at eight, Golden State at nine, uh, San Antonio at 10, the New Orleans Pelicans at 11, Kings at 12, Thunder at 13, Wolves at 14, Rockets at 15, and the transition, like I had stated earlier in the episode, I mean, we're talking, there have been major flips over the last couple of weeks. First mm-hmm. in particular, credit to Monty Williams and the Suns for taking over the number one seed so far in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jazz and the Suns are tied right now at 46 and 18 with a win percentage of 17, uh, 719. But the Jazz, uh, excuse me, the Suns currently lead that category right now or should I say lead that tiebreaker with a four-game win streak and I would assume the reason they are on top is because they probably hold the tiebreaker against the Jazz throughout the season mm-hmm. so I mean Kyle my question to you is will we see more of this in the last two weeks because I mean there is already a three-way tie between the fifth and seventh seed the Mavs Blazers and Lakers are all 36 and 28 so I mean we can literally see the middle and end of the pack swap tomorrow so, I mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts on this Western Conference turning out to be a competitive one through eight seed? I love it. I think it's great. Who would have thought that the Suns, the year they add Chris Paul to the lineup, that they would be tied for first place in the Western Conference? I, I would have never expected that. Just because I, I, I look at the Suns coming off of, the year that they had last year, especially when they got into the bubble and almost made the playoffs. I thought when they added Chris Paul to the lineup, I thought that they would have been probably maybe like a mid mid level team in the Western conference, maybe somewhere from like at the highest, maybe like the fourth seed, maybe down to like the sixth seed or the seventh seed at the lowest. I didn't see them being 46 and 18. What they have been able to accomplish this year has been nothing short of phenomenal. You have to give a lot of credit to Monty Williams for just guiding this team to where they are currently. The rise of Devin Booker has been, I think, undernoted. I think a lot of people need to pay a lot more attention to what Devin Booker is doing. Granted, he's only, I don't even think he's 25 years old yet. He's only like in his mid-20s. What he has been doing for this Suns team has been amazing. You add Chris Paul to the lineup, and he has been just amazing this year, despite almost being 36 years old. He turns 36 in, what, like a week or two from now? Oh, not even on the sixth. So he's out here playing what I would consider MVP-level basketball. Granted, I know his numbers aren't necessarily the most glorifying stats to go over, but his impact that he's had on this team is nothing short of amazing. He's, I mean, if you look at some of the stats that he has, he's shooting like 93% from the free throw line this year, which is a career high. He's having his highest assist mark in, I think, four or five years. I think the last highest assist numbers that he had, somewhat similar to this, was his last year with the Clippers. And he's been 
I think the most integral piece as far as just like the facilitator spot on the team goes to getting this team to where they are now. So you have to just look at Phoenix and you really have to consider is this team legitimately a finals contending team? And I think that they are. I think that they have the pieces to go out and at least compete for one, whether they get there or not, we'll see because this team isn't playoff tested yet. But I love where Phoenix is going. I really think that sky's the limit with this team. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when this team actually gets into a playoff series and whether or not that they can make the most of that opportunity. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm happy for the Suns. Like you said, the way that they ended the season last year, you kind of had a hope or like a glimmer of uh Oh, I guess you could say hope again, like a glimmer of hope that they would they would have some reiteration that they did last year. And then the the acquisition of Chris Paul was just incredible. I mean, yeah. Phoenix went out there and they did the impossible. They brought that backcourt together. Devin's been loving every second of it. We talked we talked about it before the season even started. That connection with DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul, that pick and roll, pick and pop with the best, arguably one of the best passers the NBA has ever seen, along with one of the youngest big men in the league being as dominant he's been over the last couple of seasons. Um, the Jazz are just doing it on, excuse me, the Suns are just doing it on all cylinders. And, you know, we just shout out to Monty Williams, man. Chris Paul is definitely playing at an MVP caliber level. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that he is worthy of an MVP. Should he be in the discussion? Yes, because the Chris Paul effect is real. Whatever team he goes to, they definitely take a dramatic step for the in the right direction in terms of postseason. Mind you, he's never had a, finals a a conference finals to his resume but he's hoping to change that this year um like i was i was going through the jazz another team that we did not expect to be at the top of the western conference if you would have asked me when the season started they definitely would not have been too um denver being on an absolute heater right now denver is on a five-game win streak winning nine of their last ten and, I mean, Nikola Jokic has carried the Nuggets to the three seed in the Western Conference, climbing all the way from seven. I mean, like, they literally took the spot of the Lakers, in essence. Mm-hmm. And Jokic is just continuing to show that he is the MVP of this league. I, I personally feel that he will win it. I mean, the, the resurgence of this team climbing in the, in, in the pole the way that they are. And obviously, everybody always wants to say, well, their team's not that good. Like, Jokic might be the best player, but he's not like a top three or top four seeded team. Now, with them being as dominant as they have with the play of Michael Porter Jr. coming off the bench and now starting, um, that one-two punch is pretty solid. And I think that they're going to be fun to watch for the future. But, you know, with Denver being up there, that does, I feel like, catapult Jokic over Embiid, at least in my opinion, because of how well they are playing. Um, the Clippers did clinch their playoff berth, I believe, last night. They are at 43-22, and 22, but they are also on a three-game skid in terms of losing. And then you have the Dallas Mavericks sitting here in a three-way tie for fifth place at 36-28 and 28 with the Trailblazers and Lakers. Um, I mean, I really don't have many words on Portland. I know for a fact Portland's on a, on a win streak on four games. But uh, as always, my biggest concern with Portland is just their defense and their inconsistency to be able to their inconsistency to be able to guard because of the height deficiency that Damian and CJ suffer from in the Western Conference. Uh, we talked about the Lakers already and their demise, but the Mavericks, man, I was just telling Kyle, 
in our last 15 games, we have won three in a row and lost to the Kings. Won three in a row, lost to the Kings again. Won three in a row, lost to the Kings last night. I want to know what it is they're feeding the damn Kings when Dallas comes to town because they always mop the floor with us, and I have no idea why. Like, we beat the Lakers twice. We were just – we were playing great basketball, and out of nowhere, the damn – wow, like the the, 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 uh, the damn Kings come out of left field and just make us look like idiots. So that was lovely. Um, but, I mean, other than that, like Kyle had said, the Grizzlies are sitting there at 32 and 31. They had just lost their game last night. So Golden State is looking to jump into the ninth seed, excuse me, the eighth seed. They are 32 and 32. Steph is still doing his thing. Steph is hooping. And I think that uh I think that, that playing tournament, which is our next transition, man, I think I think this is gonna be very, very, very interesting, especially if it were to end today. Um Man, oh, man, is this going to be crazy. I, I got to get your thoughts on it, man, because I think it helps the NBA in, in multiple facets, not only entertainment-wise, but financially. It's another branch of games prior to the playoffs that teams are literally fighting and scrimmaging for and clawing at just a berth for a playoff contender. I mean, for, for a shot at the playoffs. And, and now you're telling me it's a one-game shot like football. It's like a, a, a do-or-die game. I think that that I think that that's smart. I really do think that Adam Silver and the committee plan this very well because they are going to get phenomenal ratings, especially if this were to end today. LeBron's not going to like what you just said since he criticized the hell out of it this past weekend. He was basically saying that whoever came up with this needs to be fired. And I, and I look at it, and I'm like, from a fan perspective, I think this is great. He's probably be- saying that because he knows he's going to have to play in it. Yep. And you know what? I think it's well-deserved because the Lakers have been playing like absolute shit the last month, probably the last month or so. So, you know, this is one of those topics where from LeBron, I really don't want to hear it because granted, I know they had injuries, but you're in the situation that you're in right now. So you might as well just get used to it. So, but with the play in tournament, I think it's great because it gives teams that are in that nine to 10 range an incentive to actually try to improve their seating a little bit before the play-in starts. And even if they don't necessarily before that tournament starts, you still have a chance to actually get into the playoffs. It's a one game. It's a one game matchup. So the seven, eight play each other. And then the nine and 10 play against each other. Now, if I remember this correctly, I might screw this up. The seven and the eight, the winner of that, is automatically the seventh seed, correct? Yep, yep. And then the nine and 10, the winner of that game plays the loser of the seven, eight game, correct? Yep. And And then then that winning game is the eighth seed. I think it's fun. I think it's great because you could have a scenario where, okay, let's take the Spurs, for example. They're at the 10th seed right now. They would go up against, as of right now, the Warriors. If the Spurs win that game and then they would either have to play either the Grizzlies or the Lakers as it currently stands right now with the current standings, the Spurs could be playing for a potential playoff spot. Granted, they would either have to beat the Lakers or the Grizzlies to make it happen, but it's it's, it's doable. It's doable. You can make that it's happen. One a game, one game, dude. It's a one. Anything could happen. So I think it makes it a little more compelling. 
It makes it a little bit more exciting. And to be honest with you, I really don't want to hear these players criticize about it because they knew it was probably going to happen at some point. We're at that point now. And I just think it switches things up a little bit. It doesn't, Big time. And it, it's needed in a time like this right it, now where it's, we're like at a lull. Bro, this is going to provide a lot of entertainment. I love it. I love it. It switches things up and it makes things exciting. Granted, I don't think there's really that much of a change here. It's just going to affect the seventh and eighth seeds a little bit. But if it's you're in that two one, extra games, though, if you're that's that, why they're complaining. Who cares? You're going to be playing freaking seven-game series anyway. So it's like – I mean, it doesn't really series. matter. It, it depends who comes out of it because if the Spurs manage to have a miracle and then they end up playing the Suns, I think the Spurs get swept. Well, what I'm saying is, though, it gives them a chance to get into the playoffs. And yeah. that's at least something that you could hang your hat on. Whether you get scraped by the Suns or get scraped by the Jazz, so be it. But at least shows me that those guys went out there and tried to make an effort to get into the playoffs. And in the playoffs, look, anything could happen. Anything. So you're well aware of that because freaking Dallas was the one seed back 10, 15 years ago. We lost the Golden State. We lost the Golden State. So I'm not not saying that it's highly likely that's something like that's going to happen. It was the year before we won. I'm pretty sure it was the year before we won the championship, too. It's just, you never know. No, it was the year after we lost. To the Heat, we like we we came back from losing to the Heat, and we went and had the best record in the NBA, and then we got absolutely shitted on and swept by the eight seed Warriors. Monte Ellis, Stephen Jackson. Oh, no, 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 we did we did not get swept. We just got obliterated. Yeah, you guys lost in six. Yeah, we we just got obliterated. But it was like the finals all over again. It's like I said, it makes that those last two spots in these playoff games. A little bit more exciting. I know we didn't really talk much about the, the Eastern Conference teams, but it's the same thing over there, too. So, I think it's cool. And LeBron... Yeah, can, I'm, and, I'm and, loving and, it. And, and LeBron... Listen, I'm sorry, dude. This is this is fine by me. I don't know why you're complaining about it. I mean, because if you look at it, right? Like, like Kyle said, if you were to look at it right now, right? And again, we're just using the Western Conference. The Lakers play the Grizzlies, the Warriors play the Spurs. So you have the struggling San Antonio Spurs right now in a three-game skid. LaMarcus Aldridge retired and was traded. DeMar DeRozan is playing okay. Again, Stephen Curry, arguably the hottest player in the league right now, with an opportunity to put him t- himself and his team in a predicament to compete in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And then you have John Morant versus LeBron James and AD or LeBron Liss or AD Liss Lakers. And I mean, like, it takes one game, bro. It's legit. Your season's over in one game. The Lakers could shoot absolute dog shit. LeBron James could be a shell of himself. AD could, God forbid, you know, somebody gets hurt. It's just the point of it's showing why other sports do one game and done. And I think that this is going to send the NBA ratings up significantly because we know that they've been missing – Revenue with limited fans in the stands, you know what I'm saying? Like all these other circumstances due to COVID, you go and give us another, basically an extended playoff or an extended regular season or a mini playoff setting. Are you kidding me? Like this is going to be incredible. I know for myself, I'm literally rooting for Golden State in that bottom tier, period. I want to see Steph get in and I want to see him light it up. Even if the Warriors lose in four, I still got to watch Steph Curry for another four games. 
Who's to say he doesn't break a postseason record? Who's to say he doesn't drop 50 or 60? Shout out to Jason Tatum who dropped 60 over the weekend, by the way. Um, it's, it's just there are some good teams at the bottom. In my opinion, I think the Pelicans take over the 10th seed as Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson have been playing very, very, very good basketball as of the last couple of days. So, I mean, the Pelicans and the Warriors, the Grizzlies and the Lakers, or maybe even the Trailblazers and the Grizzlies. Who knows? We, we don't know the ladder of this NBA uh, standings as of right now. But, dude, I could not be happier for this opportunity to, to, to watch basically more playoff basketball. And it's nuts. It almost kind of reminds me of what baseball did with the wild card series. One because, game and done. Because the wild card series in Major League Baseball now is basically one game and you're either in or you're out. So, you know why? You know why I think it's cool? Because we typically don't see this from NBA games, especially in the playoffs. It makes that one game pivotal. It's urgency. See, see like in a, in, a se- in a best of seven series, you can get away with having a bad game or two and still win the series. One game series? You don't have that. You don't have that. Um, Not even close. You don't have to. Uh, you have to play your best basketball or uh-huh. you're going to be out. So that's what I like about this is that it puts a little bit more pressure and it gives teams more of an incentive to go out and play their best basketball possible. And to be quite honest with you, <laughs> they'll never do this but it would just be cool to kind of see them i wouldn't say like adjust the best of seven game series but i'm just thinking this this is like a pipe dream it's never going to happen but like imagine if like these series instead of a best of seven they were like best of three like where you're getting the best of these guys in every night yeah every 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 night granted they're going to be playing at a higher level, the the level of play is going to be even higher than what it is in the regular season, uh, compared to the playoffs. It's, it's a pre-postseason. The playoffs to. compared to the regular season, but it would just kind of make things a lot more exciting. But they'll never do that because you know that's potential revenue that they're going to be missing out on. So exactly. But but yeah, no. With, with the playoff, with a play-in tournament thing, I think it's great, and I, I, I for one think that they should keep it. Yes, a hundred percent, bro. It gives, it gives a bottom feeder motivation, bro. After like you, you sit at the bottom like five or six seeds of the of the NBA, uh, of the NBA season uh, in a conference. I think you just lose faith. I mean, like look at Houston. What are they playing for? Like Kevin Porter Jr. had like fifty something points the other night in a loss. Like, and they're sixteen and forty nine. Like D'Angelo Russell just got back and hit a game winner over the weekend, and the Timberwolves are twenty and forty five. The Thunder have one of the youngest, if not the youngest team in the NBA, and they're sitting at 21 and 44 and so on and so forth. It gives bad teams or less fortunate teams a chance to go and play in the postseason, something they may or may not have done in, in over you know five, six years. So it, it changes it up, and it gives you a better dynamic of like what other teams are made of, like did someone come into this game cocky? Or are they not prepared? Or did the bottom seed actually just come the ball out and say we have nothing to lose? And I think that that could potentially start an argument, not an argument, a rivalry. You know, if they meet each other in the postseason and they end up playing each other the next following season or again in the postseason against one another, 
I think that that just adds fuel to the fire, man. A rematch, a revenge tour, whatever it is, however you want to word it. Bro, this can turn into some serious, serious good basketball, and I'm here for it. You mentioned OKC. I don't want to see them in the playoffs. They don't deserve to be after getting spanked by the Pacers by like 50 points the other day. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty bad. No, but, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just I'm, you know, I'm just saying in general. You know, I'm just know, speaking a lot verbally. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. Postseason basketball cannot get here quick enough. Heaven knows I've been waiting for it for so long. Obviously, the NFL draft just passed. So now it's going to be all OTAs and non-mandatory rookie mini camps and rookie camps and all that. So we actually have no real news as far as the NFL. So, I mean, like we are literally harping on this NBA stuff every day, whether it's exchanging Twitter videos of who did some crazy plays or us exchanging stats or to us talking about the seeding of the postseason or what we're going to talk about next episode. It, it, it just The NBA talk always comes around full circle with us because it's just so interesting. And it's oh, so interesting. And it's so interesting. One of the most laughed at teams in the last decade is now sitting at first place. And I think that we need to talk about this, man. Chris Paul is playing MVP status basketball. The man may not be breaking the stat sheet in terms of numbers, but this season, Chris Paul is sitting there. He's averaging a smooth, what do we got here? 16 points per game, 8.8 assists per game and four and a half rebounds per game while shooting 93% from the three-point line. He is shooting 38% from the three. And I believe he's shooting 49% from the field. So he's having one hell of a year. And I think that that Chris Paul effect that everyone so likes to throw around, every team he's been on has significantly gotten better. The record between the Clippers versus after his first season there, drastic change. Um, obviously Houston was a little bit different. Um, they, you know, they had, they already had James Harden. He did improve their record again, but it wasn't anything as drastic as he did over in, in LA. And then again, you know, he did improve the Thunder's record by a little bit. So, I mean, everywhere Chris Paul goes, magic follows. And I just got to get your opinion, man. Is he an MVP candidate or should he just get votes? That's very different. To be quite honest with you, I think that he actually should be at the top of the MVP discussion. And I'm going to tell you why. Because even though that his numbers don't necessarily scream out that he's the best player on this team, you can't tell me that his impact hasn't been probably the biggest on one team this year. Because look at him last year when he was playing with OKC. OKC wasn't even expected to make the playoffs last year. And they made it to the fifth seed. And almost got to the second round of the playoffs against Houston last year. Now he's inserted on a team that has some great youth, especially with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And you look at what Chris Paul is doing this year. He's shooting almost 50% from the field. That's his highest mark since... 2008 or 2009 I, I he's shooting 93 percent from the free throw line he's averaging almost nine assists per game which is basically his best total since what the last maybe year or two that he was with the clippers so granted i understand like when it comes to his points per game it's not the most impressive he's only scoring 16.2 
which is a step down from last year when he was averaging about 17 and a half with OKC. But his impact to this team, to where Phoenix is currently, that they're the number one seed where nobody was expecting that. You have to give Chris Paul a ton of credit for getting this team to where it is. Obviously, there's a lot of other players that you could talk about. Devin Booker is one of the best up-and-coming players that this league has to offer. DeAndre Ayton is a solid big man for this team. And then, obviously, you have to give a lot of credit to where Monty Williams is as far as a head coach goes in this league because th- this guy in Monty Williams has guided this team in a direction that I didn't even envision them seeing getting to. Ward, no this, one did. This Not year. this Nobody. Good. So – I think when it comes to Chris Paul, though, he is like having a coach out on the court. I know you always hear the word of floor general, and with him, he's just a great facilitator, what a lot of people would consider like the prototypical point guard with the ability to shoot and pass the way that he has. And it has just done wonders for this Phoenix team. And I don't think he's going to win the MVP. I don't know if he's even going to get a lot of votes. I'm just saying based off of his play and the impact that he's had on this team, he deserves to be at the top of the MVP discussion. I'm not saying, oh, yeah. front, I'm not saying the front runner. I'm not saying that, but when you look no. at the group of guys that are gunning for it, he should be in that group. He deserves, he, he for sure deserves a vote. First and foremost, I'm not going to sit here and act like he doesn't. Uh, secondly, I pulled up Steve Nash's, Statistics. We all know that Steve Nash won two MVPs in back-to-back seasons in twenty in two thousand and five and two thousand and six, while averaging a measly eighteen points per game. Now the difference of the difference is in that season he not only averaged eighteen points per game, but he averaged over fifty percent from the field, averaged over forty-two percent each season from the three-point line. In one season, he averaged forty-five percent from the three, while averaging ten plus assists and damn near ninety percent from the free throw line. So. Those are absolute insane numbers while obviously leading Phoenix to multiple playoff berths in those eras. And we're just sitting here looking at it just like, dude, Chris Paul has started to flirt with those numbers for a little bit. And obviously not as many points, not as many assists, his field goal percentage isn't as high, and neither are his uh neither are his neither is his, neither is his three-point percentage. But He's playing that level of basketball. The Suns are relevant again. They haven't been relevant since this era of Phoenix. Um, he's coaching up a very young and, 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 and incredible superstar in Devin Booker. He is literally, like Kyle said, a, a floor general and extended coach on this floor, rallying this young, young, young team to be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NBA, depending on who you ask. So I truthfully be- believe and think that he should get a vote or two because without him, this team is dog shit again. I mean, who's to say they don't make the playoffs this year. They were going to do really good things. If it wasn't for Chris Paul, obviously the way that they had ended last season in the bubble, but I don't think they would be anywhere near as good if he was not on this team. So he is definitely right now an actual candidate for a true most valuable player because without him, the Suns are just nowhere near as productive or successful. And I mean, to, to sit here and look at Steve Nash, one of the greatest point guards this, this era's ever seen, and compare their numbers, ironically enough, for the same team, it's just crazy, man. I just I can't sit here and, and, and look at this and be like, wow, like Chris Paul's putting up some ridiculous numbers for somebody that 
was just on OKC and carried them to a playoff berth as well after the departure of Paul George and Russell Westbrook and, and, and a litany of other players. So, yes, Steve, I mean, excuse me, Chris definitely deserves love, respect, and recognition. And I think that he's very much underappreciated because of the amount of times that he's moved. But his level of play cannot be denied. And I think that he definitely deserves at least some recognition for it. He turns 36 in a week. Nuts. Like, it's Nuts. crazy that even though that this is not Chris Paul back when he was with the Hornets in New Orleans or even in the beginning days when he was with the Clippers. He is so valuable to this team. And I'll tell you this. If you take Chris Paul away from this team, I think this team does make the playoffs. I think they squeak in, though. I think they barely get in. Just because just the veteran presence that he brings to this team, I think is so crucial, especially for these young guys. Insane, bro. Insane. No, granted, he's not a champion, so he doesn't have finals experience, but he has a lot of playoff experience that not a lot of these guys have. So, trust me, when we get into the playoffs here, these guys are going to lean on Chris Paul's expertise and knowledge of the game, especially when it gets – you know, into the last two minutes of the game and you're looking at a potential chance or opportunity to get into the next opponent in the playoffs or to get to the next series in the playoffs, they're going to need Chris Paul to step up. And I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul knocks down some really key shots going into the last couple games of the regular season. And I expect him to do the same once it gets into the playoffs, because I don't know if you saw the highlights when they were playing the Knicks the other day, when, he basically knocked down like two crazy shots to end the next nine game winning. The three was wild. The three was wild. That I, was, I, that was a, that was a, I'm here moment. And like Chris Paul knocked it down. He is capable of knocking down those shots consistently. And when it gets into the playoffs, if it's a close game and you got to try to guard Chris Paul, good luck. Good Cause luck. he's, he's, he's either, we all know Chris Paul is some of the best handles in the NBA. Obviously, we're not talking about Stephen Curry handle, Kyrie Irving handle. He knows how to get himself open. He knows how to create space and get other players involved as well as open. So you're going to tell me in an isolation point in the final possession of a basketball game where you know a pick is coming, and he's either going to facilitate off of the mismatch, off of that pick and roll, or he's going to just blow by you and pull as one of the most effective mid-range jump shot shooters in our generation, if not all time. Mm-hmm. The man has mastered the mid-range jump shot. And obviously now in his later years, he has, you know, kind of relied a little bit more on his three-point shot because he does not want to drive into the paint and, you know, risk an injury or try to try to make a man miss and do some of the things that a lot of these younger point guards are doing. He doesn't have to do any of that like he used to in New Orleans or in LA. I mean, the, the options that this man has when he has the ball in his hand, the phrase triple threat could not be scarier because he can literally shoot it he can pass it and he can drive it in all facets of the word and at 36 years old still one of the best players in the league and it just shows that this year even with a whole new team for the second straight year his impact is unmatched and Chris Chris Paul like Kyle said man game on the line on this team obviously you want to get it to Devin Booker just because Devin is probably the most electrifying offensive player on this team and his ability to shoot all over the floor. 
But if you actually have time to run a play and run a set, Chris Paul's your guy, man. You get Chris Paul that basketball, and I guarantee you either he gets a great look or he's getting somebody a better one because his he just has that effect on his team, man. It's crazy. I, I, I was always a Chris Paul fan to an extent of I appreciated him being an undersized guard, being a very physical defender, coming in there and being a great facilitator and a good teammate. But as he got older, you know what I'm saying, especially when he left the Clippers in the later years and went to Houston, that team up with James Harden, that attitude, that chippiness, like it seems like the older he got, the more he started to talk. And it got a little annoying for me. But um, overall, man, Chris Paul has been a staple in this league for the last 15 years. And he's finally now hitting that stride of I'm on an amazing team and I have a shot to compete for a title. He hasn't been on a team like this since the Clippers. And I know for a fact that he's excited and he's going to lead this team hopefully into a good enough playoff run where they can at least get to a Western Conference semifinals or finals appearance. Don't be surprised if they go to the finals, if they continue this pace. This team is legitimately a finals contender. And I know, 100%. We, we, I know we kind of thought about maybe possibly introducing that idea, maybe halfway through the season, just because they've been playing lights out in the first half of the season. We're getting to the last two to three weeks of the second half of the season. And they're still playing it even better. And they are basically fighting for that number one spot. So granted, we gotta we have to see how this team does in the playoffs just because this team, by and large, doesn't have a lot of playoff experience outside of Paul. But, man, this dude is just dynamite. Chris Paul has been mm-hmm. playing up to snuff the entire year. And I mean, whether he, he wins MVP or not, I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's going to. No. But he's the reason – he's a huge reason why this team is where it's at and where they could potentially go if they play their cards right. I'm excited, I'm excited to watch. We've, we've said it for weeks now, if not months. I think this NBA postseason – it's going to be one for the books because you got teams that normally, at least recently, have not been in this opportunity. Then you have this play in tournament. Then you obviously have whether that's going to be is it Utah's final year to shake off that we can't get out of the first round or the second round. Like we're not going to choke. Can Denver find a way to recreate the season that they had last season and the postseason? Obviously, uh, you know, coming back from two seven uh, seven game series to, to to come back and win. Can Phoenix capture that elusive title they've been chasing since the 80s that Barkley and Nash were never able to get and so on and so forth, man. I mean, you just have so many narratives and storylines carrying into this playoff season and it's just incredible. And I, I can't really, I can't say anymore, man. I'm just hype. I'm fucking hype. I'm still scared about the Lakers though. <laughs> I'm still See, the scared. The first time you did that was great. The first time you did that was phenomenal. I'm scared. I'm scared. That that might be your line. I'm I'm scared. I'm scared. I I, I got that from uh, Happy Gilmore. Um, actually, I haven't seen that movie in years. Actually, um, do you remember when Adam Sandler and the guy that plays uh, Shooter McGavin were going back and forth on Instagram? No. Oh, you got to look that up after we're done with this. Um, I think it was like the 25th anniversary of when Happy Gilmore was released, and. Adam Sandler was on a golf course and he, I think he was kind of dressed in the whole happy Gilmore, you know, set up the, yeah, the whole outfit was wearing, you know, I don't know if he was wearing like a, a hockey Jersey or whatever, but I remember when he was walking up to the tee, the, the ball was already on the tee. And I remember before he ended up t- taking a swing, I just remember him saying like, I'm scared. I'm scared. 
and uh, he had a he had a dinger shot from the tee, so kind of worked out. But it was uh, that's where I kind of got the I'm scared thing from. Still funny. Shout out to Happy Gilmore then because that was great. That moment was gold. I want to remember that forever. Clip that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, trust me. It, I'll keep it. I'll keep it on my laptop, so it'll be uh, it'll be saved in the uh, the Google files after we're done. With Shit, this. just have like an edit in like a video or a segment we're doing, and when you post it, just have that little clip in the corner. I'm scared. I, 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 I'm scared. We, yeah, we, we might have to uh, revisit that clip. We, we might have to kind of edit those in whenever it's appropriate in our you know future episodes or future videos that we do. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. But I mean, other than that, guys, that's all I have for you today. Um, big shout out to everybody. We have 154 subscribers as of this morning. I haven't checked throughout the rest of the day. But again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who has shown love, who has come out and supported us. Um, shout out to my friend Vince. He was supposed to be on this episode. Unfortunately, he got tangled up with some work situations. Um, he actually shouted out the, the podcast on his Twitch stream while he had quite a bit of people in there and we ended up getting about four or five followers out of it. It was great. So a uh, big shout out to Vince. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, when we start figuring out how to attach some thumbnails and some different things on here, uh, we'll definitely shout you out. We're going to have you on the, the podcast, God willing, next week. Uh, unfortunately, this will be the only episode of the week in terms of YouTube. I might put out something for Spotify because Kyle is the video guy and Kyle goes on vacation in a couple of days. So, um, Again, from me, that's everything. And I just wanted to say thank you. Kyle, you got anything for me, bro? I'm good for here. So the, the way that I see it, I, I'm taking a, a much needed break. So taking the uh taking the weekend off and uh good, man. just 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 getting away from it a little bit just because um I I've been working like a demon the last couple months and um I never took a break or I never took a vacation, even with all the COVID things that took place last year. So um, I've been working pretty much a year straight without any vacation. So I feel like this is probably a good time to just kind of recharge my batteries and then come back fresh and ready to go. Cause I'll probably be back at work on Monday next week. So, and when I come back for not our next episode, will be next week. I'll be ready to go. So, yeah. Hey, man, no worries. Like I said, we I, I know I appreciate you as a partner doing all the video stuff and all the editing and all the content ideas that we come out with and the scripts and the plans that we come up with every other week. So you got to recharge. You do your thing. I know I had a week off a couple of weeks ago and it, it made me feel good to get just reset my mind. And like you said, recharge the batteries. So do your thing. I'm going to hold it on. You know, I'm going to hold down the fort while I can. Maybe one day you'll teach me how to do these videos, but I probably won't ever do them because I'm what people would say technologically inept. I'm just not good on computer shit. So um, again, thank you guys for the support and the love. We appreciate it. We love you guys. Um, stay safe out there. Keep keep doing what you're doing and uh, let's have a great week. Yeah, I got nothing really else to say from here. Just once again, like Kevin just said, we appreciate the support wherever we get it, whether it's from YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You guys pretty much know the the saying at this point. Just um, just try to help the channel and the podcast grow as much as we can get it to. So hopefully um, we get it to a point where, you know, it's the best that we can make it to very soon. And um, you guys deserve it. So you guys are been with us pretty much from day one at this point, And we hope you're – support continues as we keep going on, you know, 
into not only the middle part of this year, but as the years go on as well. But hey, who's to say we don't got 175 by the end of May? Another goal we can hit, guys. You know, help us out, shout us out, repost, like, share, comment, whatever you got to do. For sure. But with that said, that'll wrap it up from here, you guys. And we will see you guys, or you'll probably see me next week if Kevin decides to do an episode. You will hear from him later this week. All right, everybody. Y'all have a good week, man. Yes, sir. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.